It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in therapeutic nutrition. If you have irritable bowel syndrome, constipation, diarrhea, acid reflux, heartburn... Are we actually going to talk about this? Yes, we are. Nobody talks about this. (laughs) Because you're going to want to stay tuned because we really do have some solutions to all those problems. I'm Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist. And joining me today as our co-host, Wendy Cates Dancer. Wendy is a registered nurse, a nutrition counselor, a nutrition educator. And we also have a third person, Tamara Brown. Tamara is a registered dietitian and she's, And a farmer. And a farmer and a food detective and a shopper and all kinds of great things. Yes, that's right. <laughs> great it's great being here with you tomorrow. You too, Wendy. Well, it's, so we are going to talk about very, something very private today and things that uh, that people don't usually talk about, but I think it's really important uh, to talk about these things because so many people are suffering th- from them, including a reader of the Pioneer Press who wrote into the health column um, to Dr. Paul Donahue saying, uh, and, and here his, here's her question, my daughter was just told she has IBS. Irritable bowel syndrome. She's home from the hospital now, but the doctor gave her no dietary direction or instructions. Should she be avoiding some foods and concentrating on others? So what is the answer? Yes, so what is the answer? You know, more important, I think, even than this column is, do you actually have IBS? So what is irritable bowel syndrome? If you have it, you know it isn't pleasant. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) You know, clients tell you that they know every bathroom in every store and restaurant because they're always on guard. If they're not prepared, they may not make it to the bathroom on time. That's and right. that's that's really scary for people. Yeah, it is. I mean, that that's... No fun. No. No fun. So many people, as they get older, become almost shut-ins because they don't know when the cramps and diarrhea will come. You know, family members may think grandmother is getting depression. Well, in reality, it is just IBS, which is a very correctable problem. Yes, it actually is. And I like to tell people, I mean, we have many stories uh, about uh, helping people get better with this, um, even though they have very severe problems. But uh, it really doesn't matter when you start. And the, the client that I'm thinking of was 80 years old, and she came in to see me. Her daughter brought her in. And uh, our counseling sessions are two hours. And mm-hmm. in that two hours, and luckily the bathroom was just across the hallway. Mm-hmm. In that two hours, she had to get up four times to go wow. to the bathroom mm-hmm. with cramping uh, diarrhea. Mm-hmm. And and so I taught her how to eat, which is what we're going to be telling you. So stay tuned uh, because we're going to be telling you the same things I told this lady. And in a week and a half, she called me, and she was going out with her family and had no more diarrhea. Right. 
So it doesn't matter how old you are or when you start, but you need to get started. Well, you know, I have a story to share about a client, and this was not an 80-year-old, but a young man that was, you know, in his probably between 20 and 30, and his job, he was a a field uh, engineer, so he had to be outside all the time. So, and he had diarrhea so bad that he actually quit eating. The only way he was able to ma- manage his job and maintain his job was not to eat. So then he wouldn't have any diarrhea. So he had actually gotten so thin that his boss brought him in and said, we've got to do something about this. And so he never had another bout of diarrhea after he left my office. We changed his diet. We put him on a couple of supplements, just like you did. And it was gone. Now, the diarrhea was gone, but it did take him probably eight to nine months to regain the weight that he had lost. Oh, he was so malnourished. Yes, he was so malnourished. So, I mean, this can happen to lots of people all the time. Yes. And and also, I think it's sad that that this, this daughter of this lady that wrote into the Pioneer Press went to the hospital, but then kind of just left without really... Uh, any instructions, mm-hmm. but but Dr. Donahue said, it is logical, this is what he said, this was his answer mm-hmm. to this lady. I think we have better answers than he does, Star, <laughs> so. but just, I'm just, I'm very biased. Uh, he said, it is logical to assume diet would be a major factor in controlling symptoms. And I want to say, duh. <laughs> But there are general guidelines and patients need to determine for themselves what foods are tolerated and which ones are not a problem. Well, that sounds simple, but it's not simple for people, is it? It is not simple. And that's, you know, that may be on his answer, but as nutritionists, we know that there's better answers. Yes, we do. We know many people find certain foods to be difficult to digest. I mean, that's just the reality. And for irritable bowel syndrome, I would have to put dairy products on the top of the list. That's my number one thing when I'm looking at irritable people, bowel. Yep, I look at okay. Let's let's look at the dairy products. Absolutely, and I agree. You know, for some people, a glass of milk may lead directly to cramps and diarrhea, but some people actually have constipation and the diarrhea when they have IBS, or Often, it can be a combination of both the constipation and diarrhea. So a wide variety of symptoms. Right, exactly. So, you know, I recommend stopping all dairy products except for butter, which is usually okay, for about six weeks to see the results. And I just want to interject something here, too. It's like, okay, so you're going from constipation to diarrhea. Some people just have diarrhea. Because I've been hearing this a lot from my clients lately. Well, that's just the way everybody is. Oh, yes. That's mm-hmm. just, and it's like, no, this is not normal. Mm-hmm. This is not normal. Well, you know, I am 39 years old. I'm getting, what? You know, you're half as old as me. No, that's not normal. And it, it's, it's <laughs> this is not normal. I want people to know that. Okay, so when we look at dairy, yes, that can cause a lot of problems with our intestines. So when you're eliminating dairy, that means no cheese, no milk, no yogurt. No yogurt? No yogurt. No yogurt. Not even yogurt. (laughs) No lattes, no ice cream. 
Oh, that one. But the good news is it might mean no diarrhea and no cramps and no constipation. So I think we've got the dairy products covered pretty well. So another one that I would look at, another food culprit is soy products. And I think that we have to eliminate soy products out of the diet for a lot of people because, again, Soy means that it's very difficult for some people to digest soy, or I think even for most people to digest soy is very difficult. So. I agree. And so that doesn't mean that you can continue to get your large morning latte, but made with soy milk rather than whole milk. Because... The milk and the most soy products are both very difficult to digest. And I think that that's one, Tamara, that I see a lot of times with clients, don't you, Wendy? They think that, oh, gosh, I, if I can't eat dairy, then, I, then I, can get, I can go and order my soy latte. That's exactly right. And many people believe it's much healthy. They do it just because they believe it's much healthier yeah. for them to have soy. Or they've heard it helps with their hormones. I love that one. <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. But we need to know that most soy, 85 to 90% of all of our soy has been genetically modified. And they actually genetically modify it by um, taking E. coli and a fungus to, uh, to, you know, to alter. And then they put, you know, little genes inside of these uh, E. coli because they multiply so fast. So to date... We really are not sure of the long-term results of these genetically modified soybeans. So we really think you should eliminate soy products if you have IBS. Yes. So Tamara, we're, because you are our food detective, and you're our shopper expert on staff. In fact, I got lots of questions from a client yesterday, so I've got more work for you to do. Okay. (laughs) So, um, you know... Soy is kind of hidden in a lot of things. Yes, it, f- yes it, it is. Yes, it is. And let's hold that question oh. because it's time to take a break. Okay. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, and we are discussing the role of nutrition on digestive problems. Have you noticed that celebrities are adding their voices to the drumbeat for healthier foods for children? Yes. yes. Rachel Ray, who designs healthy recipes for the New York City School Lunch Program, said, Everything. Everything needs to change. Even the message itself has to change. She said that the low-fat, low-carb messages are so last century. I love that. (laughs) Today, it is about balance in real food. This is the same message we have spoken out loud and clear on Dishing Up Nutrition for over five years. Questions about digestive problems? Call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Now, before break, Wendy was reading from a news article in which Rachel Ray was quoted. She also said, it's far better to eat a balanced diet of full fat, whole foods, than it is to eat no fat, low fat, or fake foods, where they've actually replaced the fat with filler and stuff like that. And that's what she said, stuff like that. Stuff. 
you know, we have taught that very same message for over 20 years. So it's really nice to see other people catching up with to us. So let's give listeners some ways to think about Rachel Ray's statement, which is really backed up with a lot of other leading experts today, such as Marian Nessel, and she's a well-known Ph.D. nutritionist and author, and by Sally Fallon, and she's the author of Nourishing Traditions. In fact, did you know this? All you fans of Sally Fallon, we have a surprise for you. We're excited. Yes. Sally Fallon will join us on Dishing Up Nutrition May 8th. So tell your friends and family, because I know everyone was going to want to hear and she's got a lot of oh wisdom. My gosh. On she's and got on. a lot of knowledge, and it's all about real food. And so, you know, invite people to listen. And that's May 8th, Sally Fallon. And she's actually going to be in town speaking, and then we'll share where she's going to be speaking to. Oh, that's great. So let's go back to the Rachel Race statement about, you know, get rid of the low fat, no fat stuff. So I, I want to help people kind of think. How do you change your thinking in that? So, because we've been so programmed to think low fat all the time, like eat this, not that. Yes, right? yes. So, I think you have to start with milk, whole milk rather than skim milk, and that just sends shudders through some people. You know, it does. But kids, kids should never be put on skim milk. Skim milk. They should always drink or whole... chocolate <laughs> or strawberry skim milk. Yes. We saw that on TV, didn't we, last night? Yeah, we did. We did. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Or? Or what about whole real eggs versus egg beaters? Oh, yes. Please. Yes. Please, real eggs versus egg beaters. What about some olive oil and vinegar dressing versus no-fat dressing that tastes horrible and you have to dump a half a bottle on your salad? Plus, it's got all those chemicals. Yep. Yes. So what about 4% cottage cheese? That's whole milk cottage cheese versus low-fat, no-fat, or even 2%. Right. So. Absolutely. Or what about, for a snack food, choosing olives rather than pretzels? Who would have thought of that? I don't know. Or full-fat yogurt versus no-fat light. Yogurt? Yes. In fact, have you ever noticed that sometimes it's very hard to find full-fat yogurt I these know, days? I know. It's... That's a shame. That's absolutely a shame. And what have we done to our lovely whipping cream? Cool Whip? <laughs> oh, i got to be kidding. So let's, ha- let's have some nice, wonderful, real whipping cream and not Cool Whip or non-dairy creamer. And I think, just think about this a minute, too. Why are we saying full fat? Because you know what? The reality is people eat less, don't they? Absolutely. Because they feel satisfied. Right, exactly, exactly. And I loved the statement from Walter Willett. We say it in a lot of our classes. We like to quote him. He's the nutrition researcher and epidemiologist at Harvard School of Public Health. And this is what he says. No. He says, no. No overweight person person should ever be put on a low-fat diet. Exactly. And he has studied lots of people, hasn't he? 300,000. Oh, 100, yes. I mean, Many, this is a yes. long-term, the biggest yeah. long-term study in history, and this is this exactly. is very valid information. Should we take a caller? Sure, let's take a caller. Oh. Jen, welcome to the show. 
Hi, thanks for taking my call today. Yeah, well, yeah. thank you for calling. Yeah, I just have a question. Um, a couple of them, actually. I'll go fast here. Um, I've had digestive troubles for years, and I eliminated gluten, and that helped tremendously. Okay. Um, I have not eliminated dairy because I that doesn't seem to be causing problems, but once in a while I have edamame, which uh-huh. is soy-based. Could that cause some problems? I think it could be for some people, sure. Does it seem to bother you? Well, coincidentally, now that I'm thinking about it, then now that you mentioned it, sometimes I think it might. Yeah, um, yep. The other thing is um, if one would need to restrict the dairy in addition to gluten, and you mentioned that man earlier who had lost so much weight, I struggle with keeping enough weight on. What does one eat to keep the pounds on if they have to eliminate dairy and um, gluten and... Well, well I, th- I don't really you know, I think a couple of things is you, you certainly have to eat a sufficient amount of animal protein. You know, like and that's four- something I do. Okay. Okay. And then you have to add in starchy carbohydrates like sweet potatoes or white uh-huh. potatoes. And, and then you have to add in a variety of other kinds of fats like olives and avocado and olive oil. And, and, that. and you know, and, but, you know, if you are still having digestive issues, that may be why you're having trouble get, keeping weight on. So it c- might go way back to your digestion. And so maybe okay. it's like you have to... You have to heal that digestive tract before you can actually get the nourishment out of the foods that you're taking in. Because it sounds like you're eating well. And maybe even removing dairy will help with that digestion so that you actually are utilizing the calories that you're taking in. Okay. Was there a a particular food that um, your client ate more of that helped him put the pounds on? He was eating just, he, he ate a lot. That's all I can tell you. He okay. ate a lot. He made a lot of beef stews and chilies and things like that that had a lot of meat to it and a lot of more root vegetables and those types of foods. And, you know, he always had a lot of olive oil and, and good fat in there, too. Mm-hmm. And, and just over time. But then we also worked on his digestive tract. Yeah, Jen, and I think that's, it sounds to me that that might uh, well be the piece that you're you're missing is uh, really looking at di- that digestive health. So I would recommend um, taking our gut reaction class or coming okay. in from a, for a consultation and, you know, we could really look at restoring your digestive health. You might need some good bacteria. You might need some sure. digestive enzymes because you're... Yeah, I- You've been, I, your digestive system's been under stress for quite a while. Sure. I, I do take the bifidobacteria every day. Okay. And I always thought that out of dairy, yogurt was okay because of the good bacteria it had in it. But that's it, and, sometimes it, and sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. So. Sure, but it would make sense if there's whole milk in the yogurt that that would, okay, that's still dairy. Yeah, so. it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. That's yeah. very helpful. Ben, I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for calling. So we were, maybe we should just kind of finish up our discussion about soy because we were, you know, like I think she talked, you know, she's not eating a lot of soy, but it's sneaking in there a little bit and maybe it is a problem for her. So as a food detective, yes, where do we find soy hiding? Um, okay, well, soy is, can be a little bit tricky. So one of the services I offer to clients is grocery store tours. Mm-hmm. And 
we go through and take a look at ingredients and the different products out there. And avoiding foods with soy can be very challenging. From soy oil to added soy proteins like soy protein isolates can be added to soy sauces, baby formulas, granola bars, even yogurts. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you may be getting soy without even realizing that you're taking it in. I think that's very true. A lot of products. Hydrogenated soybean oil. Yes. Have you noticed how many dressings? Soybean oil. Yes, soybean oil. And I I know for Willow, you know, the granddaughter, that is going to be a problem for her. She has those. Yeah, and so. even a small exposure to a food that you're sensitive to can cause, a, a, you know, a huge gut reaction. And, you know, they even put it in, I understand they put it in some of the hamburgers and the hot dogs. Oh, well, that, the soy burgers and the soy yes. hot dogs and the soy cheese and the soy yogurt. And, exactly. Uh, a lot of people that are vegetarian or, again, think they have a digestive problem, it must be the meat or it must be, yep. you know, they mm-hmm. mistakenly think it's something else. So, uh, yeah, I mean, those are, those are obvious. Right. And think how concentrated they are, all of those proteins mashed into one burger. That's a lot of soy. It is. Yep. That's true. Well, it's time for us to take another break. Wow. Already. Doesn't that go fast? Yes, it does. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. For all of us who love the topic of nutrition, this is such an exciting time. Aren't you excited? It is. Jamie Oliver, The Food Revolution. We are so proud of our classes that we bring to you. We bring, and we spend a lot of time doing research. Um, We bring you leading-edge, researched information, taught so that you can use the information. We try to gather all this information, chunk it down, and make it simple so that not only can you understand it, but you can follow it. If you need to improve your eating, and who doesn't out there, let's be honest, if you need to improve your eating, sign up for a weight and wellness series near you. We are going to be very south of the river all the way to Lakeville. We're very excited about this. But we will also be as far north as Cambridge. Yes. Wow. And west as far as Maple Grove and east as far as Woodbury. To sign up for our our weight and wellness series, go to weight and wellness.com and you can register online or call us at 651-699-3438. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, a couple of weeks ago on the show, we were discussing some recent research about the damaging effects of fructose. So I just kind of want to recap just a little bit here. Sugar is half glucose and half fructose. High fruit corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup is 45% glucose and 55% fructose. And agave syrup, this is kind of shocking, I think. Is 10% glucose and 90% fructose. So you might ask, so what is wrong with fructose? Besides everything? Everything. So Dr. Richard Johnson, he's a researcher from the University of Colorado, 
has found that fructose generates uric acid in your body. So what's wrong with uric acid? High uric acid is associated with gout. So, and this is kind of interesting too, is today many, many younger men and older men are having problems with gout. So we decided we're going to do a show on gout. And in May, we have a show coming up. And so we're going to give you lots of information about gout. And our research man, Greg Peterson, will be joining us for that show. And everybody loves Greg. So Yes, we do. So, and so today, if you have more questions about digestive issues, it's 651-641-1071. And I know people... And don't be don't be embarrassed to call because we need to we do need to talk about this. So 651-641-1071. Give us a call. So again, before we went on break, we were talking about what are the foods that are that cause this irritable bowel syndrome or constipation or heartburn or all these things that that cause us digestive problems. And we need to also realize that, and we were talking about dairy, and mm-hmm. we were talking about soy. Mm-hmm. But even a very small exposure to these foods that we're not aware of. We might not be eating the soy hot dog, mm-hmm. but we might have some peanut butter with hydrogenated soybean oil in it, not even knowing, because we didn't read the labels. Exactly. So we have to talk about another food. And this is causing digestive problems for over 30% of the population. And we talk about it often on Dishing Up Nutrition because it is the protein that is called gluten. Yeah, and so what is gluten? I mean, people don't really understand. So I uh-huh. like to explain it this way because most people, or at least their children, have taken a piece of white bread uh-huh. and they've made a ball out of it. Right. A sticky, gooey ball. And, and then they've thrown gooey. it at their brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or they've stuck it all in their mouth at once, like my cousins used to do. Uh, but uh, that sticky, gooey stuff, that is, that's the gluten. It's like what holds the bread together, what makes it rise nice and light. Mm-hmm. In the last 50 years, they've genetically modified the wheat grain to have 50% more gluten because people want light and fluffy bread. But that it, it's glue. It's very well named gluten. It's glue. You know, in Europe, they used to mix flour and water and hang wallpaper with it. Mm-hmm. That's paper how mache. sticky it is. And paper or paper mache, exactly. Yes. <laughs> but you know, now think about this. You know, you chew your bread, you add water to it, and you know, and that's what your digestive system is all about. This is very, very difficult. That's what makes it so difficult for us to digest. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so where do we find gluten? What kinds of grains have gluten? Well, gluten is found in wheat, rye, barley, oats, and spelt. And, of course, we find gluten in pasta, bread, crackers, cereals, and here's an interesting one, gravy. How might you think we find gluten in gravy? Well, it's made with flour. Exactly. exactly. Thickener's the flour. And that one tricks people up. Very often. That does trick people up. Or so, or even little sauces on on right. yes, yeah. exactly. on meat or something. Things that yes. look harmless. Mm-hmm. But we have a, a lot of callers, oh, Dara. Okay. I think we should sure. just okay. interrupt this yep. for just a second. Okay. And uh, take our callers. Deb? Deb? Yes. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Hi, Wendy. Hi. Wendy, it's Deb Reeves. 
Hi, Deb Reeves. Hi, Dar. How are you? You guys, Hi. I am just riveted with your show. I got out of work late, so I got a chance to listen. And I should be in bed, but I can't because you guys are too good today. <laughs> and we're, I, we're always good, and we're even better when you're on the show, oh, Deb Reeves. Would you just oh, like well, to take know, over for me, us? You got me thinking when you're talking about the soy, and I hope that the pregnant li- uh, that the pregnant women out there listening, I mean, what an endorsement for breastfeeding. Absolutely. You, know, you, you have a brand new belly coming into the world, and you, and you might be putting the soy or the dairy products and setting them up for potential problems. Yes, that's right. Exactly. That's 100%, Deb. And I just got to thinking, I thought, oh, my goodness. I, I, just, I breastfed all my children except for one who would not breastfeed, and he was the one that had the problems. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. and so, still does. Yep. yep. Exactly. So, boy, I hope that, that the women out there take notice. And, ladies, you're doing a great job. I'm, I'm really, I, I need to be in bed, but I just can't stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Deb. Okay, 20 we'll more you. minutes, Deb. She's a, she's a nurse, everybody, and she works nights. So, Deb, <laughs> thanks so much for calling in. You take care. Okay, let's, uh, John. Yeah, hi. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Thank you. Um, okay, in my case, anyway, I'm, I'm overweight. I also have problems with my cholesterol and also with uh, potential for heart disease. And I just, listening to what you're talking about, I'm wondering how it is that whole fat foods are good for you. And also this whole thing about soy being bad for you, I guess I've never heard this before. Mm-hmm. I, just, well, I guess I'm confused by what you're saying. Okay. Well, I think more and more of the research is showing, you know, and we had a great show last, a couple of weeks ago on cholesterol. Unfortunately, and, I missed that one. Well, go, you know, you can listen to it. Go to our website and you can listen to the past shows. And because uh, we had a doctor on that day and talking about cholesterol, and really cholesterol is made in your liver. So you have to think, what is making my liver make too much cholesterol? And that usually is sugar or some food that you're sensitive to, which it could be gluten, could be dairy products. And the fat is, if as long as it's good fat and it's not bad fat like partially hydrogenated oil or trans fats, now those are bad on your liver, and so that'll make your cholesterol go up. So it's like changing that all around. And the reality is if people are eating full-fat products, real fat, you know, real fat, like olive oil and olives, they eat less food because their brain is satisfied and you're not constantly hungry filling up on too many carbohydrates. So I, there's just been, John, there's been so much research in the last five to 10 years about this topic. And so all, you know, other people need to catch up with this information. And John... John, Are you saying that whole fat yogurt is actually good for you? Yes, that's a good definitely. Fat. It's yes, a great fat. It's a great fat, oh. especially organic. Now, that's that's another thing, because, you know, if you eat full-fat products that are not organic, they may have a lot of antibiotics and hormones in them. So when we're talking full-fat, we are kind of encouraging people, especially the dairy products, to eat more organic, grass-fed, where they don't have all the hormones. But but the worst thing is low-fat or no-fat. And, and, John, since you're a guy, this is how I like to explain it to guys. You wouldn't think of running your car without oil, would you? No. Well, oil serves the same function in our in our bodies as oil does in your car. It oils your joints. It even oils your cardiovascular system. You have little glycerols that run around in your arteries and your veins that clean up and oil things. And that's why we tell people you have to eat fat because we need we need oil. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, John, you know, you should come and, and join us in one of our weight and wellness series. You would love this information because then we, we've got the research right there to show you, too. So oh. we, we have them all, you know, we have our weight and wellness classes starting in May, and we have them in every area in the Twin Cities. Uh, how do you find out about where these are happening and when? Well, go to our website. It's weightandwellness, all spelled out, dot com. Um, and they're all listed there. Okay. Thanks for the call, John. And it does get confusing. I, I totally yeah. understand your sure. question. Yeah. So thank you so much for calling in. And I, <laughs> Kyle's waving at me. Uh, time for another break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you have a problem with thinning hair, when we come back from break, we will connect how your digestion or the use of antacids may be part of the problem. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Cavis, licensed nutritionist, and I'm here with Wendy Cates Dancer, registered nurse, and Tamara Brown, registered dietitian. You may ask how digestive problems cause thinning hair among perimenopause or menopause women, because Wendy mentioned that we were going to talk about that. You know, it's been long associated with iron deficiency and insufficient hydrochloric acid is often involved. So inability of your body to digest will make absorption of the iron more difficult, but it can also interfere with protein breakdown. And we, for our nails and our hair, they're, they're main, made out of uh, protein mainly. We need protein. So here's the connection to the iron absorption. If you take antacids, there could be a connection to your thinning hair. Antacids block the production of hydrochloric acid. So too little acid could be causing your hair to thin. Isn't that interesting? Because then you're not able to utilize your protein. Yep, not able to utilize your protein. And you can't get the iron. And it all goes in a circle. So you got to get your digestion working, even for your hair. And it's just amazing when we have people in class or consult you know, console people, it's like, oh, the light bulbs go off and they see the connection of why this is happening. It's not just old age. It's not normal. And, you know, in reality, these antacids and all those things, they were designed for people to be on maybe a couple of weeks, but not for eight years. Yes, exactly. So should we take a caller? Let's take a caller. Carol, welcome to the show. Well, you kind of moved on the topic, but... That's okay. okay. Oh, okay. Well, I just wanted to know, you know, I, I saw being a, a dairy farmer daughter, it took me a lifetime to really uh, find dairy that was my problem, you know. Ah. And I took everything out but Greek yogurt, and that helps. But I still, my problem is just in the morning that I get a short signal, and sometimes I really have to uh, run. Mm-hmm. And But I just had some white bean stew this week, and the next morning it was like, whoa, so are beans a problem, or... Sure, they're harder to digest. You have to build up digestive enzymes in order to uh, digest beans and lentils. And so what we say sometimes, like if you're making a chili, is make sure you rinse your beans and drain them and rinse them, and then also smash them up with a fork because you can add them back in 
and they're easier to digest because you've already broken them down well, this some. This was a restaurant meal, so yeah. Um, well, then you're you, then but, you know it's still erratic, and I, like I can be fine, and then it's erratic, and so I've been trying to figure out. You know, I'm almost always going to dial you up, but then I think I have it figured out, and then I. <laughs> well, you know, you might dial us up and come in because <laughs> there. It it could be a food, but it also could be that we have to work and repair your digestive tract a little bit. Okay. So I, you know, I can't nail down the food. I, you know, sometimes it's totally innocent food. Yep. Like a taco salad, you think like, well, that's chicken and lettuce. What could give me the problem? Well, there's a lot of things in taco salads, like yep. MSG, mm-hmm. depending on if you make it yourself or if you're buying it in a restaurant. Well, it's probably eating out somewhat. Yep. That's a problem. Sure. You know. Well, well, thank you very much. Yep. Carol, thank you so much for calling. All right. Great question. Okay, we have Katrina on the line. Yes. Hi, Katrina. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thank you for calling. I'm. Um, I, you were just starting to get into how the foods and whatnot, you know, with the heart burn and acid reflux. And um, I know that you said that you would be talking about that today. And I was just wondering about how what you have spoken about so far with the milk and the gluten, et cetera, mm-hmm. does this or does this not affect heartburn or acid reflux? Or were there additional food items that uh, you were going to talk about that precipitate this problem? Certainly. Uh, gluten, number one cause for acid reflux heartburn. Yeah, and Katrina, when I came to see Dar 10 years ago, uh-huh. uh, I had heartburn so bad that I had to sit up. Uh, I was sleeping in a recliner at night, or I was uh, actually sleeping on seven to nine pillows. Uh-huh. And the first thing she said to me is stop eating bread. In two weeks, I had no heartburn. Uh-huh. And so, I haven't had any since. Yeah. Okay. But you don't yeah. eat bread. That's right. I don't eat bread. <laughs> okay. Um, and dairy doesn't affect it? Well, it does for some people. Okay. But so that's why often we eliminate gluten, the bread, and we also take away the dairy. And then you can always reintroduce maybe the dairy and see if your your heartburn or acid reflux comes back. Okay. So, thank you. All right. Thanks You're very for the call. welcome. Yeah, heartburn. I mean, so many people suffer from heartburn. It's just amazing. Pamela, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thank you the, for calling. Um, the HA. Mm-hmm. Now, my iron tends to be like 12, 13 when I have it tested, but I am menopausal and my hair is thinning. So how do you know if you're short in HA? Well, you I know? think one of the things you should do is, uh, do you have any digestive problems? Um, no. Okay. Well, I think if you're, uh, you know, if your hemoglobin is 12, I think you said, yeah. you might go in and have your ferritin level checked. Okay. That's your iron stores. Mm-hmm. And see if that is a problem because then then you know what you're dealing with. Now, as far as hydrochloric acid, how do you know if you might be low? Uh, sometimes it shows up in a digestive problem, but sometimes people add a, a supplement that is got just a little bit of hydrochloric acid in it, and they'll actually find that they feel just a little bit better. Okay. And then they know that they're breaking down their meat and their protein a little bit better. So how much do you need on a daily basis? And then I also heard, is that better than glucosamine? Because I heard it helps with your joints too. Uh, totally different. Okay. It, you know, hydrochloric acid is really... I think she's thinking of hyaluronic acid. Yes. Oh, okay. That's got the it. joint. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. So hi, hydrochloric acid, it, your body should be making it. But your sometimes stomach. if we aren't eating very much protein, a lot of times vegetarians end up with low hydrochloric acid. And so it's it's... You make it if you eat protein, mm-hmm. 
But if you don't eat much protein, then you kind of stop making it. And um, so that's, so by adding it, you know, a couple hundred milligrams for each meal is probably sufficient. Okay. And so that should help. Try it out. Okay. But not too much. I, you know, I would also, uh, when you go in and have your ferritin level checked, have them check your thyroid. Yeah, I know. I just had all that done, oh, and they looked. They had the ferritin and the thyroid, and they said everything was fine. Oh, okay. So, but I'm, they never mentioned the hydrochloric acid. Yes. Okay. Well, try that and see what happens. And you said two hundred per meal. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Thank You're you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, where were where were we at here? Well, talking about we were just we were talking a little bit about gluten, I think, and. We were talking about, you know, where you might find it, you know, pasta and those kinds of places. And, yep. you know, I, you know, and I know that, what were you going to say, Wendy? Well, uh, you know, we've eliminated soy. Yep. We eliminated dairy and gluten. Um, you know, do we need to eliminate anything else? We need to, some people need to eliminate our favorite food, eggs. Uh, and once in a while, we'll have people that are sensitive to the protein that's in eggs. Okay. And actually, I have a great story to tell you. I was working with a client, and her goal was to be able to go get on an airplane and visit her daughter and and also sing in choir. And she couldn't because she had this terrible diarrhea. So we took away the gluten, got a little better. We took away the dairy, got a little better. We took away the soy, got a little better, but she still had it. So finally, we took away the eggs. And that was it? And that was it. She got on the plane with her husband and her son, and they went and visited the daughter, and she was just ecstatic. That's and great. she's been ecstatic ever since. That's so great. now she can go to choir and sing. I mean, her life is just complete. Otherwise, she could only be away from the house maybe a couple hours a day. Yep. You know, talking about that mm-hmm. shut-in thing. Right. And this is not an older lady. This is a young woman. That, yeah. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Or little kids, too. Yeah. You know, can you imagine them having to run to the bathroom and they have to raise their hand and ask the teacher. Absolutely. Well, I really, really want to thank everyone for listening today. This has been a great show. And thank all of our many, many listeners out there. Thank you. Have a great day.